505 years ago, uh, you know, Martin Luther nailed the uh, 95 theses up on the church door in Wittenberg. Has anyone seen that before? Anyone been there? 1517? Hey, Cody, you've been to the, the church at uh, Wittenberg door, right? Yeah, you've been there. Okay, Tammy, you've been... Uh, what's it look like? Uh, well, it just looks like a church. <laughs> you know, but you couldn't get up to the door. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because it's, you know, of course it's like gated. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I have a picture. Yeah? Can, you want to... I could have printed it. Oh, uh, well. Pass it around. If I'd known... That bit bigger than this door? A little bit. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it's probably the original door that's there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's 505 years old. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. So, well. Hearing a big wooden door. Yeah. Okay. And the arch big wooden. Well, that's where it all began. It wasn't unusual, in other words, to, to, to nail something on a church door. Right. It wasn't just so out of the blue that... Like that a kiosk or yeah. something. Because, yeah. you know, they had poor radio reception back then. <laughs> 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 yeah, it felt all, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, I believe he was trying to start a scholarly debate among the, uh, the professors, right? He didn't have any idea of uh, what it would cause uh, uh, down the road, right? You can't always know, but... Yeah, part of the deal about the Reformation that inspires me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is that these are guys just doing normal things. You know, they had no idea 505 years down the road where they would be. The Holy Spirit uh, was uh, greatly at work in their everyday actions, and here we are 505 years later with a church in Norman, Oklahoma, that's been very impacted by it, and people throughout the world who've been impacted by those days. Uh, There's a podcast uh, I don't I want to always kind of give you guys some resources to look at and there's a podcast called Luther in real time anybody ever seen this one Luther in real time very very interesting it's about a 10 minute per episode deal and so they release them you know uh, 500 years after the date of the actions so so for instance this one is from April 18th, 1521, so it was released on, uh, you know, two years ago. Yeah, so, so they're coming, going through it uh, 500 years after the date, so you can follow along in real time the events and get a, get a feel for it. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. This was, and that was the date of the uh, diet or diet of uh, worms or vorms or however you want to call it. You know, I say worms, you say vorms. Okay, so... Uh, let's call the whole thing off. But yeah, so that's the one where they bring Martin Luther into answer for his books and recant his books. Uh, and he stands before the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, I believe it is, and all the Catholic uh, uh, rulers and princes there. And uh, he, so he give, they give him a time to, to think it over. And then he comes back and he goes through the whole, hey, these, are, these books, no one would disagree with these. Even my opponents like these. And you got these books over here. Uh, these are these are where I'm calling out the Pope and the and the Church explicitly. And if I go against those, then 
then that's I can't do that. But then there's the oh, these other ones I'm writing against people who are supporting the Pope, and so yeah, I mean uh, I was probably uh, a little bit uncharitable there in some of those things I said, but the gist of it I, I can't I can't deny that. So like oh no, he's standing up to to all these uh, you know guys, and, and he's alone. You know, he's one guy against all these people. And he says I'm not going to. Um, Oh, okay. Oh, there's the, there's the door. Okay, the door just came up on my phone. I'm not going to recant. And he says, here I stand. I can do no other. And that, that ends up uh, starting a firestorm. Uh, people then take him, and then he uh, is, uh, uh, you know, you know you've seen, if you've seen the movie, you know he's in, in a castle for about a year or, or more, translating the Bible into German. Very important work there. And he did that in, I think, 11 weeks. He translated the whole Bible out of Greek, uh, the New Testament, that is, into, uh, into that, uh, the, the regular German language there. Uh, you know, so these are some of the, some of the things uh, he did, uh, you know, among many. Uh, you know, at, at the point of um, one of the highlights I thought was, was fascinating about studying the Reformation this week is looking at in 1529, uh, you know, this is 12 years after the events of the door. Which, we, which I have a picture of now, which I will show you. This is the modern, modern picture. That's the place, <laughs> real place in Wittenberg, Germany. Okay, so, so uh, where that happened, uh, so we're talking 12 years after lots happened. Uh, there's a price on his head. Uh, he has, uh, you know, he's had his, his uh, follower, uh, Melanchthon, stand at the Augsburg uh, situation. They had a, a confession there of the truth, and so... Uh, there's been a lot going on. Uh, people are fighting and, and, and really just sort of ignorant uh, as to what's the truth. If you think about it, like they're coming out of knowing nothing. Uh, and then they've got the Bible, a little bit of theology, uh, and, some, and just sort of the anti-authority um, bent as sinners. And so they're, 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 they're destroying churches. They're going crazy. And so uh, Martin Luther decides to write a small catechism in 1529. Very important work there. Uh, to summarize the Bible, and we love the Catechism. That's so, so that's why I thought I'd go into this, uh, you know, what, why are we talking about the Reformation Day? We're a confessional church. We believe in the Westminster Confession of Faith and the large and shorter catechisms, uh, and that these are such important tools. And if we don't have great summaries of the Scriptures, it's going to be really hard for us to, to glorify God uh, and to love Him and love our neighbor because we're confused. Now, especially if we're confused on... What is the grounds of our salvation? Uh, what is the, uh, what, how do we stand before God? This is the issue. Uh, there's a, you know, a, an old movie um, uh, from 2016 or something like that. Maybe it is. Uh, uh, Will Smith uh, is in it. And he, it's called I Am Legend, based on a book, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's like, it's like have you seen this? Yeah, Anyone seen yeah, it? Yeah, it's like the world is, is, has been infected by a virus. And this virus uh, is killing everybody or it's turning them into like zombie vampires, right? And so like Will Smith's one of the last guys left. Uh, and so he has to come up with an antidote for this and hopefully save the world. I believe that's the, that's the theme of the deal there. So, so if you have the antidote, if you have the, uh, the thing that can save the world, uh, it certainly uh, gives you a lot of reason to be courageous and, and to do things that are risky or maybe extreme or, or, or have some purpose to you. But uh, if you uh, don't feel like you have anything to offer, then, uh, and, then it doesn't give you such a, such a real um, 
uh, impetus to do something like that. And so you're just going to be hopeless. So, so as I think about that, that, that like Will Smith really believed he had the, the antidote to save the world. So did Martin Luther, right? Uh, because uh, if you look at the Catholic Church in the day, they were trying to, to tell uh, people essentially what? What was the big controversy uh, that, they were, that they were giving uh, people bad doctrine about? What was the issue? Indulgence. That's the big issue, right? Indulgences, right? You said indulgences. So to explain to us what is an indulgence. Pay your way to heaven. You pay your way out. You pay your way out. So you can, through, a, through an offering, uh, of monetary offering, you can get yourself or a, a relative out of purgatory, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you can, purgatory, we, like the, that's another invented doctrine of, of you, know, you have to go and, and burn out your imperfections and your sins and, and work, the, work your way out of that. And so uh, everyone knows they have sin. And so this was a great way to fund building projects because you could just send these, uh, these preachers around to the uh, German peasants and, and others, and they could, they could say, hey, well, we'll give you a get-out-of-jail-free card, and here's what it costs, and how much can you pay, and we'll, we'll give you this. And so you think about people who came along later and wrote about religion and said, hey, this is the opiate of the masses. This is the way you control people and exert power with people, right? Well, where'd they get those sort of beliefs from? Well, it wasn't from the Gospels. It was from what the church had done with the Gospel, right? And, it cha- and taking it... And, and, and controlled salvation in such a way uh, and, and, and set themselves up as guardians of salvation and dispensing it based on monetary contributions of that nature. You see what I'm saying? How, how just uh, heinous uh, this came to be uh, and, and that what Martin Luther discovered was he read, uh, do you, anyone remember the, the verse that he read that was sort of the, the game changer for him? The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith out of Romans 1.17. Habakkuk. Yeah, well, and quoted from Habakkuk too, right? So he's reading the just shall live by faith, right? And, this, and, and he says that this righteousness comes from God, right? This just, my just status uh, comes through faith in what Christ accomplishes for me. Uh, not, that it, not that he accomplished something for me and then I must live by works or that I, that I must live entirely by works, but so it's not faith plus works, it is faith alone. And that was the, uh, the issue that led to his boldness, courage, uh, urgency to do the right thing. Uh, yeah, he could, have, he could have denied his works. Uh, he could have said, hey, you know, uh, well, yeah, uh, you know, maybe there's some error in there. But he did not. He, would not. he would not do that because heaven and hell stood and the balance here for people. Does that make sense, guys? Now, this is the issue as, as do you believe this or not? If you believe it, it animates you because the best news you could ever hear. Uh, now, uh, as you think about that, indulgences are still, and I didn't put on a belt today. How embarrassing. Yeah, so I just realized that as I'm standing here. No, no belt. You know how that happens? You know, sometimes you forget to put the belt on, so that's what I did. So, all right. So, uh, fascinating. Yeah, so, so I stand on the merits of Christ alone, basically. Uh, not a belt. I have no belt holding me up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, so as you think about this, let's go through these, uh, these solas on our page before you, on the back there, and uh, look at them. Uh, so uh, solas, the five solas, uh, are a helpful way of summarizing the themes of the Great Reformation, right? Uh, and, so, and those are listed for you on the page. Uh, they're, they're recently uh, understood there as being the, the, good, the good summary there. So the first one there 
is uh, sola fides, uh, or uh, faith alone. Uh, and this, it says, uh, Thomas Cramer quote there says, this is the ordinance of God that, which, that they which believe in Christ should be saved without works by faith only, freely receiving remission of their sins. We just got into that uh, in, in uh, Romans 1.17. This is the game changer for Luther, that faith alone and not faith plus confessing your sins appropriately or doing penance or any other thing, right? We talked about penance last week when we were talking about repentance. What is penance? It's, it's taking out uh, my sin on myself so I can, can make myself right. I'm going to do something to earn, earn some status uh, versus repentance, which is a change of mind, a change of direction. It goes along with faith. Uh, it's essentially receiving Christ. Uh, and that's the issue is that I need Christ. And I can't do anything to save myself. Faith alone. And uh, so as you look at sola gratia, or grace alone, Luther says, He who does not receive salvation purely through grace, independently of all good works, certainly will never secure it. Truly then, we're saved by grace alone, without works or other merit. Uh, what were some of the, uh, as you think about uh, medieval context here, uh, what were some of the professions that were looked on as being uh, super holy? Or, you know, in the day. Clergy, a priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the priest. King. The king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what about uh, nuns? Mm-hmm. Monks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go to the monastery, right? Get out of the world so you can, can save, so you can be uh, extra holy. And, that, and they, they believe that uh, these super saints uh, that did all those good things could earn extra credit. And that could be dispensed by the Pope, right? That, that got into the indulgence thing issue is that he could, he could take that, those works of the super saints and he could dispense that to all of us normal Christians out there, right? And so they believed in this uh, uh, sacred secular dichotomy. There is like super holy people that are closer to God because of their calling uh, and, and their uh, self-denial uh, uh, that they, uh, they take on these things. And so... Uh, and then those guys could earn credit for us uh, peasants. Uh, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, so that's the. That's, I think that for the thing about grace alone, uh, the whole system of of belief and and, and doctrine was was uh, not connected to grace alone, but it is about works. And uh, okay, so questions on that one. Just going through these one by one. Number, uh, number three, uh, solus Christus, or Christ alone. Uh, we see it the whole salvation is Calvin, uh, which is the, this painting here is of Calvin preaching uh, in his farewell sermon. So how about that? Someone, someone sketched it out, I guess painted it later, but that's kind of a neat, uh, neat image there. Uh, we see that our whole salvation and all its parts are comprehended in Christ. We should therefore take not or take care not to derive the least portion of it from anywhere else. In short, since rich store of every kind of good abounds in him, let us drink our fill from this fountain and from no other. What would be the, uh, the, the opposite error of Christ, Christ, in opposition to Christ alone? Yeah, works, or, you know, uh, it, you, could, you could talk about the, the church dispensing uh, the, uh, the salvation. Uh, through the um, clergy, the sacraments, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that, that they had to fight against. And so, uh, you can uh, you can think about uh, how this whole thing got got um, 
off off the rails because the only people reading the scriptures were were those who could read Latin. You couldn't hear the mass. You couldn't hear uh, the worship. Uh, the songs weren't in your language, and you're just you're de- you're dependent upon participation in the system, uh, meaning you're baptized. Uh, and then you do enough good works to, well, if you do bad works, you have to go and get, you know, confession, absolution, penance, uh, all these other sacraments, uh, along with the Lord's Supper, uh, that you can, you know, get your way back in. And then the, and then the, the, the priests really have control to, to give you salvation and to make you right. Uh, and so this is where Christ alone. So it's, Calvin says, if, if Christ remains outside of you, we have no benefit. Uh, but we have the Holy Spirit. Uh, who brings Christ to us and into us and us into Christ and brings us into mystical union with him. So that's a beautiful, beautiful uh, truth that we want to uh, proclaim, solus Christus. Any questions on solus Christus? We need to just uh, memorize all these and be able to spout them off. Uh, the fourth one, which is the funnest to say, is sola scriptura. Now, I had a guy who taught this at a youth group retreat one time, and he put this one to the... Uh, uh, the tune of Copa Cabana by Barry Manilow. Sola, sola scriptura. You know, so you can memorize it. Yeah. Sola, sola scriptura. It's so, so good. I mean, it really goes. Uh, he had some other ones that weren't as memorable, but uh, that one really stuck with me. Yeah, yeah right? Still with me, you know? Uh, so, so it says, uh, Thomas Cramer here, uh, the Anglican, says, To a Christian man, there can be nothing either more necessary or profitable than the knowledge of Holy Scripture. For as much as in it is contained God's true word, setting forth his glory and also man's duty, and there is no truth nor doctrine necessary for our justification and everlasting salvation. But that is, or may be, drawn out of that fountain and well of truth. Right? So, you know, we've gone through this in our class, the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 1, which some people call the greatest chapter written uh, by human beings uh, alone. You know, not, not, by, not guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the chapter 1 of the, the Westminster Confession of Faith because it does summarize Scripture alone uh, in, a, in a detailed manner. Some of the things that you see about Scripture there are its uh, uh, perspicuity, right? It is clear, uh, and, and everything that me- needs to be known about salvation can be clearly perceived by all. Uh, as you look at that, you see that it's, uh, there's, it's the only uh, rule of faith and practice, uh, the only way that we can know salvation. We know general revelation and special revelation. Now, this is the, 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 the special revelation, of course, is Scripture. And, and we would call Scripture a history of God's special revelation. Uh, and it's progressive, organic, uh, and consummating revelation in Christ uh, as we see him unfolded throughout the pages of the Old and New Testaments. And as you think about that, what were the uh, alternatives to Scripture alone in the, in the day? What, was, what, was the, what were the reformers... Uh, battling against tradition yeah yeah so if you had the, the church uh, uh, fathers uh, the councils uh, anything the pope could say ex cathedra which means he's speaking with with this authority of christ it had to be uh on uh, you know as significant or even above scripture right this is where we this is so so it's like a continuing revelation uh of uh, of authority over you which could be not even uh, checked by Scripture. You know, and this is widely, widely divergent from what we know our church to be founded on today, which is our, the, the constitutional document of our church is the Scripture. And then we have other documents like the Westminster Confession, larger and shorter catechism, our form of government that are underneath and subject to the Scripture 
as Christ is the only head and king of the church, uh, we are serving him. And and, that, yeah, because yeah, during that time, too, there was Pope Lymph infallibility right like yeah. he was better than god he right. was the replacement of god he was the, the supposed vicar of christ yeah the vicar mm -hmm. of christ so yeah. you know everyone put their they transferred you know their faith to the pope rather yeah. than christ and the gospel and the scriptures alone yeah you know? i think that's still the case that mm -hmm. and, 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 I, and okay. as as i encounter people at these uh social events they see that i'm a pastor and they, they view me as a man of god a holy man and i need to they need to be careful around me and that I could maybe my prayers have more uh, more validity than their prayers right so that's still the remnants of the sola scriptura uh, you know opposite is still there uh, and, and you know so that that's the that's the problem uh, is that we if we put too much authority in any man's word that's uh, that's vain credulity uh, that's that's a sin yeah we don't want that so uh, sola scriptura all right let's go to let's go to the next one Soli Deo Gloria. Uh, to God alone be the glory. And this is John Knox. Uh, he says, I will likewise pray that ye may hear, understand, and obey with all reverence the good will of God declared unto the world by Jesus Christ, whose omnipotent spirit remain with you forever. Amen. Give the glory to God alone. Yeah. Um, now this is, this is uh, the heart of the Reformation here. And that all four of the preceding statements, uh, do they uh, equally uh, glorify man and God, or do they singularly glorify God? Well, they singularly glorify God. This is what's recovered. Uh, it, I, would, I would say that, you know, like when we're talking about our worship service style, and I tell people this, this is one of my little speeches I give occasionally, is that when, when you're new to our church and you go out to dinner or lunch after church, and you meet your friends, and you ask, and they ask you, "Well, what kind of church was it that you visited today?" And and they're they're usually maybe looking for contemporary or traditional or you know something of that nature. But I'm like, no, no, no. It's a God-centered church. It's a God-centered church. We we believe that we exalt the transcendent and eminent God in all things, uh, and and want to speak to to that. And, and so that so the the instrumentation or the uh, style is sort of neutral in some ways. Uh, there would be some things that would be off, off limits, but of course, and inappropriate for corporate worship. But, but the, uh, the gist of it is that it's to be God-centered and to bring God, God's glory alone because that's the chief end of man. Uh, okay, so any questions on, uh, well, I guess, uh, so what would be the opposite, react, or opposite doctrine of to God alone be the glory? Self-glorification. Yeah. It's like, have they read the Bible? I mean, so like, so like say Romans 3, uh, the greatest paragraph ever written, uh, Romans 3, 21 through 26. Uh, the, the, the next paragraph says, so that boasting is excluded because justification is by faith in Christ alone. As you think about that, uh, let's actually turn there real fast because uh, that's the, I want to end on a high note here, not just uh, a bunch of funny illustrations, but let's read this. This is good. Uh, Romans Three, and you're going to go, let's start with uh, 21 and read through the rest of the chapter. Uh, Mr. Tulio, will you read for us? Sure. Thank you. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. 
For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. But what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will, be, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by, his, by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Yeah, look at that. We uphold the law by faith. Now, let me write this down for you on the board because we've been talking around it, but the, the, the chief doctrine of the Reformation is justification. And we're upholding the law. All of us are upholding the law, uh, right? And so we've got, we've got us, and then we've got, uh, let's say, Christ here. Uh, now, let's say do cross for Jesus. And so as you think about this, uh, we are here and we all uphold the law, right? What'd you say? Do we all uphold the law? This is us. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what's our problem? What do we have then? If we don't uphold the law, we're what? Sinners. Yeah. So we got sin. Yep. Okay. But what is what? Now, Jesus, how did Jesus, how does Jesus deal with sinners uh, to save us? What does he do? <clears throat> Lives and dies. Lives and dies. So, so this is huge. So, so it's not just that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but what else? He lives. And what is he doing in his uh, living? Upholding the law. Yeah. So by faith, we uphold the law. So, so legal righteousness is over here. Uh-huh. And this is entirely... In Christ, life, death, and resurrection. He, he is upholding. So he's, he's got active and passive obedience. If I, I feel like if, if, y'all, if I ever die, I want you to know that I said active and passive obedience as much as possible. I want, that, that, I think that wants, I want those to be my words. Active and passive. So, so, so Jesus actively lives out the righteousness that is required of all peoples. To be, to be uh, loving God, loving your neighbors, summarizing the Ten Commandments, and the whole moral law. Active. Passively, he also dies, passively obeying the law, to, to fulfill all the, the sacrificial uh, atonement necessary to bring sinners into the presence of God, which is uh, foreshadowed and preached through the Levitical sacrificial System and ceremonial law, so he's the full reality of what that was preaching. So the active and passive obedience, and this must be, this all must become mine, and this of my sin becomes Jesus. And so that's that's a, that's when you see Second uh, Corinthians five twenty one 
it says God made him who knew no sin to be sin that I might become the righteousness of God. And that's what justification truly is. And so this leaves no glory or boasting in the person or the creature, but it's all glory to God. So that's the so soli deo gloria uh, is really brought out, of course. Uh, you would think that the, the means of salvation would bring out God's glory. That's the point, and that's exactly what we see when we look at the biblical doctrine of justification. Any questions? Yeah. No thoughts? Thoughts or questions? Any uh, aha moments? Well, one thing I like, I mm-hmm. find interesting about the Sola Scriptura is that well, here in America, Catholicism is not so strong. But Brazil is an extremely Catholic country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very sad and confused religion system. Mm-hmm. And they love to affirm that um, their religion is, well, Scripture was brought brought up by the church. Mm-hmm. So if we have the Bible, it's because of the church. Mm-hmm. Yep. We say the contrary. Mm-hmm. Because of Scripture, we have the church. Yes. So one big distinctive about us is that we are a religion of the book. Yeah. They are a religion of men, of the yeah. church. Of institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Institution. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah that's I mean, what, one fascinating thing, as I was reading this week, I was looking, I don't know if I told you guys this maybe last week, but I was reading Athanasius on the Incarnation. Mm-hmm. Ever read that? I told Julius this earlier. I was like, I was struck by by this writing because Athanasius is writing late third century, early fourth century, uh, before we have the Bible. Like everyone has a Bible sitting around uh, and and collated, and and even then, that some people will give uh, Athanasius uh, credit for the Bible, even though he had nothing to do with it. Uh, sort of the canon. He wrote a letter that listed the books out, but but he was the guy who fought against what Arianism which is a heresy of Christ, right? It's a confusion of Christ that he's like God, not same substance of God, right? He's created rather than being eternal. These are things that he was, that he was arguing against. But in his defense of Christ on the incarnation and the full deity of Christ, what do you think he's, what do you think he's writing about in those books? He's putting scripture all through the thing. They say that if you take all the church fathers from the first to third century, you would have the whole Bible reproduced. Because they're people of the book. Like the church, the church is not inventing the books. There are no other books. These are the books that God gave us, and the books are bringing life to those who hear them. The, the gospel is bringing life in the book to people and creating a church. Not a, not a church creating a Bible to control or oppress people or to, 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 you know, to, to affirm themselves. No. Um, the, the, the way to, to greatness and power is not through the, the church or the, or the, or the, the gospel. Okay, uh, not, not earthly uh, riches and glory, uh, but, but eternal glory. All right, well, that's, with that said, I think we're out of time. Uh, thank you for that comment, uh, and y'all continue to encourage one another, uh, and we'll have uh, many opportunities to discuss these events over barbecue following service. So thank the Lord for that. Let's pray real quick. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning to guide us and direct us and lead us to, to your truth and to your grace. We thank you for Christ who fulfills all of your law and fulfills the uh, passive obedience requirements of the sacrificial system as well, that, that we might find all things fulfilled in Jesus and find our salvation in Christ alone. What a burden uh, that is to be relieved from our shoulders, that we can be saved through faith alone and by grace alone. We ask that today that you would drive these truths deeper within our hearts, that we might be full of joy and 
and, and glorious uh, desire to, to gratefully thank you and to live for you and to, to serve one another better. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go.